Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to unequivocally figure out what the best movie is of any given year. This year is 2002, and this Woo. is the first real movie. Before I introduce this week's panelists, know this. This show will also be a game in which points are awarded for well-made arguments, cogent thoughts about the film, jokes, and anything else I feel like awarding. The winner will be my best friend for a week and have gloating rights. Yeah. Battling for said gloating rights is, he's been shockingly quiet so far, Ryan. Oh, I think I'm a changed man. Mikey, I, I want you to have the best season possible. And so I've decided that I'm not going to be your opponent. Um, I'm not going to. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Didn't last very long, Ryan. <laughs> and that is Greg, who is gloating that Ryan dug his own hole. I love gloating. And I encourage Ryan digging his own hole. You know what, buddy? It's your hole. If you want to dig it, dig away. Would you guys, do you guys think that you could describe my entire personality in saying I watch somebody get points and then I do the same thing and then they get points for that as well? Yes. That's me in a nutshell. Yeah, you are next in the phrasal dictionary that we all know we have. Thomas's phrasal dictionary. Uh, <laughs> hoisted by his own batard, there's a picture of you, my friend. Getting absolutely fucking hoisted by your own batard. And it's a batard man. that you own. Yeah, you made it. You made it. You filled it up with gunpowder. You buried it under the earth. And then you yourself were hoisted upon it. Wait, is that it. what a petard is? It's like a landmine. Oh, a I lot of people it, think it's like a spear, but I thought it was not. something on a boat. I thought it was a giant mushroom. No, it's like an explosive. And to get hoisted, it's like you put out your own landmine and then you step on it. That's petarded. I just think that like the word hoist... And I, I think a pulley system. If somebody gets blown up, I'm like, well, they got hoisted across that field. Yeah, well, it comes from Shakespeare. A, a, oh, that guy. A, a known stupid idiot. Were there landmines back then? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, where do you get gold? <laughs> sea mines? <laughs> idiot. You know what? Didn't think about that, Ryan. Now I feel dumb. I want to send you to the sea salt mines. mines. Gentlemen, let's talk about Talk to Her. Sounds like a good idea. Overall, this is the first movie of 2002. Is that a weird way to start O2? We thought it would be a good idea. I don't know if we talked about this in the intro shows, but we thought it would be a good idea to go chronologically this year. Yeah. Yes. Um, a lot of weird stuff going on this year. We also have 16 movies. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Nobody knows what to expect. Um, and yeah, this was... Apparently, the... you can just change a podcast. <laughs> you can just change the way it's done. On the fly. Um, but it could have been Spider-Man, a yeah. Spielberg movie. Like, sure. It could have been Spielberg direct Spider-Man. It's uh, a movie that doesn't exist. It's it's Almodovar. Pedro Almodovar's talk to her. Uh, Greg, what is your personal relationship with Pedro Almodovar before this? I have heard you say his name to Ryan, and I have heard Ryan say his name to you. That's is this what it's like to be friends with me and Ryan? Whoa, 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 Pedro Almodovar. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, uh, you guys talk, 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 and you never listen, which means I think I'm going to be in prime position for this show. What? No, nothing. Ryan. Ryan. Yes. What is your relationship to Pedro Motivar? I d yeah, I'm a big fan. I've seen a lot of the movies. Uh, uh, maybe like half. I've seen half of his movies. If you're a dingus like me, you thought you'd seen a lot, which is three, and realize he is like 30. He, this guy's been working forever. Okay, so I will say um, post, like, let, I would say all, all, about his, all about your mother, all about my mother in 99 was probably mm -hmm. his big blow up. So and there's a couple movies before that that everybody's heard. Could of. you also have called this movie all about my mother? A little bit, yeah. yeah. A lot of his <laughs> movies, I think, maybe you could have called. Um, there's ten movies before that that nobody talks about at all. Okay. So, um, it's uh, maybe like the live flesh era is 
when we start talking about him. And then at a certain point, I think I drafted him in the director's draft. He became like every year or every year that he came out with a movie, it was one to look for. It's going to top top 10 list. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that he is definitely a director to be reckoned with. And I'm going to be honest. I don't envy Greg's position because I do think that Greg is going to I – don't, I don't want this to come off like – I'm a dickhead, but I think he's one of those directors where if Greg were to watch Volver in a week... It helps to get a little bit of like the context of him as an artist. Greg will love Volver and also yes. talk to her more. Yeah. Yes, Volver was my first Emotivar, and I just went because I loved Penelope Cruz. I think I was like 19 or something when it came out. Yeah. I don't want to see anything with her in it. Uh, and then went, oh, I like this guy. I don't know what his movies are like. And it is I'd, a much easier movie to swallow. Yeah. Volver um, also shows you that Penelope Cruz was an international star and right. they came to America and made trash. And we were like, I guess she's talented. And then you go and watch her other stuff. And no, she's the best in the game. Yes. Yeah. It's, a, it's such a shame when someone comes here just to make the worst movies they're ever yeah. going to make. And then they leave. And then. Imagine what that must have been like first. Like, I'll go to the land of stupid children and I'll try <laughs> to make stupid movies for them. And then they don't even like them. Oh, you don't like Vicky Cristina Barcelona? I will pack my shit back up and go to Spain. I do feel very much like. Scene by scene, I was learning about this guy as a movie maker, and I, mm. I can't, I, I can't tell how much of that is just because the particular style of this movie, which is very much like I will now lay out one thing, okay, now we'll watch that, now we'll lay out a different scene, and like you know, jumping around in time and keeping you from being able to make coherent connections until near the end. But also, I felt like every scene, I was like, okay, so that's how he does some of this stuff. Mm. Okay, that was like out of nowhere, a very absurdist touch. And then the rest of the movie is kind of not going to interact with that absurdist <laughs> touch. Okay, that's cool. And so it was an eye-opening experience for sure. Yeah, but I also – would you classify this movie as homework though? No. I mean no. this is one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had. Like it enjoyable being a very plastic experience. Sure. Like, yeah. You know, enjoyable meaning like you are completely invested. I would say within 20 minutes – not even that long. Within 10 minutes of watching this movie, I was unable to turn away from it. Rip it. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so – and like within twenty minutes, I was like, "This is like a shoe in to win this thing." Uh-huh. And then by the end of it, Work. I was like, "Okay, don't talk about how much this is a shoe in <laughs> to win it." Especially if we're going to do sixteen movies. By the time we're done with this thing, it'll be a long time since we've seen. This I will movie. say I've never heard of that movie and spit in your face for accusing me. <laughs> but of I guarantee we spend every week thinking about it. Yes, I mean I like you. I don't think you can watch this. First of all. I'm intimidated by this movie. There is so much going on that it's hard to hold it all in your head to form an opinion about mm-hmm. it. There's so much doubling, so many callbacks, so many so many switches in time, so many like th- areas where the movie doesn't hold your hand. It's clear if you watch it a couple times what's going on, but the movie doesn't make sure you know what's going no, on. It doesn't give a shit about you. And so it's like I think you live with this movie over time and try to like try to understand it as a function of reflecting on it over years but again like a lot of the time when you're talking about it and i agree with everything that you said it's we can mistake that you're talking about a tarkovsky movie and it's so not that like there's so much to deal with and there's so much that is on his mind and then on the screen but god like i all but this is just fucking cracker jack this is just like it's so fun and again fun plastic like uh but yeah it's it's (laughs) It's uh, yeah, riveting. I guess from he reminds me of Kurosawa in that like it's like well you still get, you still making a 
still making a film. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, you still want people in the theater to be like, kind of like jazz by what's going on. Or the movie it really made me think of was um, Mulholland Drive, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I thought of Lynch the entire movie. Yeah. And there's this combination of um, like poetry and lyricism. And I'm not sure what this means, but I'll think about it later. Yeah. Mixed with this love of like, Old school, almost corny, like yes. melodrama. Corny as shit. And like, uh, we don't know what we're, what's going on. We don't know what's a dream and what's not. Right. And I kept thinking of uh, the the Spanish Lynch the entire time. Yeah. All right. This has already been an unfortunately great conversation, which is not what the intro End is it. for. <laughs> we're going to kill this momentum, take a break, and when we come back, really dig in to talk to her. We start the 2002 season with Pedro Motivar's Talk to Her, quite possibly the first movie we've had to give a content warning for. If you ignore Come and See, Sallow, and probably a few others I'm forgetting. The film explores the relationship between men, men and women, performance, truth, and intrinsically connected to it all, rape. Talk to Her follows two men who form an unlikely friendship as they care for women who are both in comas. It would go on to become a critical and commercial success, winning a Motivar, the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, the BAFTA for Best Film Not in English Language, and the Golden Globe for Best Foreign Language Film. And uh, really surprisingly, generally regarded as one of the best films of the 2000s, surprisingly because I now live in 2022, and it feels like the populace <laughs> would not allow that, which we're going to dig into right now. On Letterboxd, it is filled with dozens of user reviews that gives this movie one star, solely because of the aforementioned rape. Roger Ebert ends his review of Talk to Her by saying, no director since Fassbender has been able to evoke such complex emotions with such problematic material. Taste Buds ask you this, do these letterboxers have a better grasp on the film today than Roger Ebert did 20 years ago? Gregory? It's it's hard to say that the, like, the, the, the rape is very much frowned upon in the movie, right? Like, I mean, and, and it, it's very much like a, men are under the microscope in this movie and found extremely wanting. And so the connection between what Benino does and like male sexuality writ large, Mm -hmm. like it's all being condemned in no uncertain terms. Now it's also a little more complicated than just strictly condemned, I suppose, but it basically feels like he is shown to be, I think that it, it like the, the complicated nature of this is brought up, but ultimately, the verdict is what he did is awful and wrong, and it mirrors awful right. and wrong things men do every day. That's the thing is that I kept, I I, I mean like Benino, Benini, Benino, um, stands out as like the main character or the main thing, main character you think about, right? right. As like what the fuck is going on with yeah, this? Because the whole time you're trying to wrap your arms around what is this guy's deal. When right. when you're not caught up in the soap opera ness of the movie and the shockingness of the movie, then it allows you to pay attention to different things. And that's why I focused on Marco, who is not the worst person in the movie, right? Obviously, Benina, he commits rape, and that, I think, is just sort of there to deal with, and we watch how Marco deals with it. Right. And I think he's the one who, like, obviously, Benino is going to go to prison, and I don't think at any point Almodovar is saying, like, look, man, Rapists are just humans, too, and we have to understand them. It's Marco's inability to see 
Benino as anybody else. Right. Like his like this my buddy. This is my cute buddy. This is my bud. Like <laughs> I, I think that's so much of the issue today yeah. is that all of these rapists, all of these incels have friends that back them up. It's a conspiracy of men, right? So, I mean, Benino calls Marco in. There's like a shot where Marco's he's walking by and he's like spying on Alicia's naked right. passed out body, Komoto's body, and he like uh the way it's shot uh Benino is in the dark and he's out in the light, Marco. And Benino, like, gestures, mm. come in, come in. Later, he's on the other side of a door and Benino again calls him in. So, like, by being just buddies with this guy, it really it indicts the whole, like, conspiratorial nature of men being silent for men, men supporting men regardless of what they do to women. And what's, what's the only way to let that happen is to completely silence women. Right. And so they can't get away with anything that they do. And this includes Marco, but uh, particularly Benini, Benino. I'm the other guy, uh, unless he's with a woman who has been completely silenced. Like he would right. be, there would be people talking. But he's like, look, I have complete control of this situation. I finally found a girl that I have completely complete control of since my mom died, who was who I practiced on. Who's probably controlling him? Come right? into the come into the room. You totally can because I want you to. And she has no voice. Yeah, and because I'm not embarrassed to do this in front of you, another man. Like, there's no part of this that embarrasses me in front of you. I'll lie to everybody else, but, like, we are co-conspirators in this. And in the end, Marco is fully his co-conspirator because then he goes on. Like, he can't start a relationship with Alicia that's anything but creepy and Mm -hmm. weird and manipulative. I I do want to just stop and say, what is this basic plot of this movie? So just in case somebody's listening and has not watched it yet. There is a, a woman... Who by by the time the movie starts, Alicia, who is comatose, and a nurse, uh, Benino, who takes care of her with a lot of attention, and it's like creepy. He's kind of a creepy figure, and then it slowly becomes revealed that um, he was like kind of stalking her before he happened mm-hmm. to become her nurse, and then it's clear that they have a sexual relationship. Also, we are sorry, we're led to believe though, and there's a scene that sort of lays this down it, that just by watching him and how not masculine he is that it's probably okay and uh alicia's father comes in and makes sure that it's okay by saying you're gay right yeah and therefore if you're gay there's no threat and yeah that it would be weird for a straight man to be like administering to her as much but as long as it's gay as long as he's he's, like giving her a upper thigh massage right yeah and really into it right like part of what is the complex nature of this is he takes exhaustive care of Mm her um and he says, like, you have to treat her like a person, even though he's like, he, nobody treats her like a person, he says, because she's in a coma. I treat her like a person. But he very much also does not treat her like right. a person. He treats her like a doll, a doll or a cipher onto which he can both kind of like idolize her and become her. He very much says, like, I'm living her life. Right. And yeah, so he, he, he had no hobbies because his mom was controlling. So he finds out what her hobbies were. And we don't really know what his mom was like. We don't actually ever see her. Like, no, he, she dies. He at right. one point says that she wasn't sick or paralyzed. She, she was, was just, just lazy. lazy. And like, it's hard to know if that was played as a just a joke. Wow. No, one he's, liner. He's a compulsive liar. Right. He just yes. lies all the time. And so you don't know what that means. You don't know what his mom's like. You don't know. We're not. Ultimately, there's a lot we don't see. But so that's his whole story. The other story is Marco, a guy who's going out with a lady bullfighter, 
a lady who fights bulls. And um, their relationship is complicated. First, he's doing a report on her, and then they become romantically involved, and then they break up for a little bit, and then they get back together again. And then they have this big emotional talk about what the future of their relationship is going to be right before she gets gored by a bull and then is herself in a coma. And then this, the, these two men meet up again, again, and the story is like them each taking care of these ladies who are in comas. And then... Eventually, it comes out that it's so complicated that yeah. <laughs> Benino is having a sexual relationship with Alicia, the woman that he's taking care of, and well, having a sexual relationship. He's raping her. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, the way he sees it is like they're like a couple because. Oh, he definitely thinks that. He, yeah. He's like, well, he's made up a whole relationship for them because it, in the relationship, it's this what, it, what Marco says. It's a monologue. He's just talking at her. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he goes to prison and then eventually kills himself. And then Marco and Alicia meet later in life alicia like wakes up which is a miracle uh it's not supposed to happen and then marco obviously like has eyes for her and he kind of has there's been this transition where he he realizes that his girlfriend lydia has like was seeing another well, guy she was gonna leave him and then she got knocked into for, a coma yeah for her original which and it, she tried husband. to tell him and he would not listen to her because he was monologuing which is yeah. so crazy that like i remember the first time i watched this i thought because it's like her manager or something that uh, comes in and says, Marco comes in and uh, he's there mm-hmm. and says, No, oh, it's El Nino, right? It's her bullfighting boyfriend that yeah. they talk about. Okay, so another matador. Yeah. Uh, who's around, but like, you know, uh, him and Marco become at least acquaintances. And then he walks in and El Nino's holding her hand or whatever at the bedside and said, Oh, fuck. Just so you know, she was about to break up with you. Right. And the first time I watched this years ago, I was like, he's lying. He's, <laughs> he's a masculine idiot, and he probably is totally lying but about But if you this. watch that scene. But watching it now, I'm like, no, I'm not. Or no, he's not lying because he that guy, El Nino, is like a man-man. Like, there's right. there's no fluidity like Pedro loves to do as far as, like, what women and men mean. This is a man-man. And the last scene that we see before she is gored is him following the advice of uh, Benigno and talking to her and saying, but only talking and yeah, not she listening. And completely like rewriting her emotional state. He's right. like, I know why you're crying. It's this. I mean, he's very much doing what Benino does all the time with Alicia, which is I'm deciding what your actions mean. Right. And so uh, uh, do you not like this? Well, maybe being in a coma would make you a better girlfriend for me. Like that's sort of what he's saying and is that why is, don't, why can't you just listen to me all the time? Well, we'll, we'll get to Benino and Marco and how they play off of each other later for tying this all back to the letterboxers. And I think this is the old man in me saying the letterbox kids, <laughs> right? Like it is because they're not both like Hellraiser tortured is that people are giving or that rape happens at all. And I want to be able to forget that. I movie. think it's because you can make a weird argument where you're like, isn't Benino giving her a lot of care? And well, doesn't he, sure. like, when he sees Lydia later, doesn't he treat Lydia with more humanity than anybody else is treating her? Yes. I think that the movie is sort of, some of the false notes of the movie, and maybe this is because we know we're watching a movie, and it does have that like those Lynchian and Almodovorian qualities, is that something is up with Benino. We know that. Like, when he's... Uh, doing her hair with another nurse Mm -hmm. and she's like you know this would be a lot easier if we just chop her hair off and he's like no 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 it must be the same length that she came in with so when she wakes up she like i don't know if that's textbook nursing for a coma patient there is something up with him and i think a lot of what the movie is doing what is saying is not that rapists are people too they're they're like defending rapists but instead saying like 
the people that are around you could be this as well. Right. Like, just because rapists don't all come in masks and with like uh, you right. know black masks with uh, bags Huge with muscles. a dollar sign yeah. on it, yeah, like it could be anybody around you. And it shows that if the there's a board, not board meeting, but like a a meeting where they're trying to figure out why is Alicia pregnant, yeah, and all signs point to Benino. It's weird how everybody in that room. Is purposely not looking at yeah. him. Right. Mm. Scene, How uh, could this be? What Rosa full here? on is just like, oh shit. Because there's another nurse who constantly leaves at night because she's taking care of a sick relative. And he's like, don't worry. I know I've been here 12 hours. I'll do the night. I'll still. just hang out all here. And you should ask questions now, if someone says that. Now that Alicia's pregnant, a year later, they're like, oh, he was too nice. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, I mean, ultimately, what's being critiqued is not his relationship with her, but all like male patriarchal like this is how men enter into relationships with women every day right Right. where they only see their side of it they only care about their half of the conversation that's this is one of the few movies where women aren't allowed to talk because i could see that definitely being like you know the woke critique of it and but it's like well that is a motivar's fucking point yeah yeah i mean up to this point at least in the movies that i've seen before this uh very very woman focused like oh, yeah. uh, if guys were in the movie they were very much two-dimensional characters mm-hmm. and so he that's that's part of what makes you sort of consider a little bit more what he's trying to do here because it's it's definitely not saying ah rape eh. right it, it's it, it's not that you have to see so many of his movies to get this one but that it is in conversation with the normal stories he does tell so it can inform that versus but i also think if you've never seen this movie and watch this at no point does it seem like he's like rapists i mean everybody's got to be somebody like yeah. but, but like i do think he's he's saying i have this idea right uh two people who bond over their significant others quote unquote in a coma right that seems like a starting point for a yeah. yeah especially foreign movie maybe not in america but uh and then these are the two dudes that he thought of and he is one to not pick you know, like the normal situations that other screenwriters would pick of like, well, this one is, let's say this one's black and this one's white. And that's where all the drama will come. Right. He, he went there with this and then, uh, and like, he wanted to see how it would play out. And I think he does that in an, an extremely like interesting way. In the meantime, we've learned over the last 20 years that if, in most cases, if Benini were to do this, he would not go to jail. So right. I think Pedro takes another step of actually putting him in a prison right. cell. And I do think there's probably their complaints have to do with the fact that the and this probably is not valid or it's not valid, but the wor- the universe of the story doesn't punish him really. Right. He goes to like the softest prison mm-hmm. in the they're world. They're not even allowed to be called inmates. Yeah, they're not even <laughs> called inmates. They're called interns, and it's like on top of being like cushy and new, it's empty, and so there's hardly anybody else there. Right. It, like we Which see that- a shot of like a guard dialing the phone for him, like on his behalf to to make a call out to his buddy to ask him to come visit. My fear of jail is not being in jail. That sounds great and yeah. like a vacation. It's the other inmates yeah. that leads to my fear of jail. And yet there it's very much like a, you know, a white collar even his prison. reputation is protected cuz Marco knows and Benino's landlady is like, "What happened to him?" And he's like, "Ah, it's not my place." He's to innocent. Tell. Yeah, but innocent and of that, what? Yeah, he's like, "Oh, who knows?" Yeah. And so there's like it, all of the the movie is pointing a spotlight at all of yes. that. That's the point of the movie. And so yeah, I think ultimately to answer your question, Mike, I think it's people misinterpreting the movie because the movie is pointing big red arrows at a whole bunch of problematic behavior and it's not endorsing any of it in the slightest. That and like, and I'm not talking shit on this generation, but I I think that it's awesome how 
how quick everyone is to throw red flags on everything uh-huh. and not be accepting of all the stuff that we used to be. But sometimes it, to slam the door on this movie simply because the rapist is not tortured immediately, I don't I think that you're sort of missing Amotivar's point. And if you watch it again, then I think you'll see wh- more of where he's coming from. Yeah. I would love to know if people think we're just like old fucks who don't get what their arguments are. I mean, I, we are. Tweet at us, kids. <laughs> Take us <laughs> That's on. Not condescending, is it? Uh, we are trying to guess what they're upset about, right? Yeah. So we don't. We don't ultimately know. It's but to, an extremely to, uncomfortable. To say one movie. star. That's unbelievable. It, it looks gorgeous. Like Almodovar knows how to aim cameras. And like I'm way more. I'm way more disturbed by Three Days of the Condor, which mm. like ultimately goes like, yeah, but you know that does celebrate it. Yeah, it does. It's kind of it's kind of like well, you know, romance. slightly coercive sex is kind of the heart of romance. And it kind. And I feel like at the end of it, it's like it, it's a little bit of a shrug to like, yeah, she sort yeah. of says a couple times that you raped her, but you know, she probably doesn't mean that. And it's like, no, I'm uncomfortable. Where where did we fall on this? This movie though. It doesn't do that. Like, there's no, there's no world in which any of this behavior is called okay right. or countenance in the least. And I can see the director of Three Days watching that now and be like, oh, okay, I see, <laughs> what, I see what you're saying. I can see a motivar watching this today and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what I was saying. Today yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, there is so much to talk about this movie, so of course we're gonna take a break and get to a little mountain. Mount Rushmore. You know what that means, because they straight up said it. It's time for Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. We build Mount Rushmore. the mountain. You know what? Both of you? Right. Flawless. <laughs> Flawless impressions of our tour guide. We build a mountain to our own thing. This, we are starting off 2002 with the Mount Rushmore of TV. 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 It's our favorite TV. thing. TV. We did it. God, just talking about Talk to Her, which is a movie for like that 10 minutes, what the, where where was the TV talk in that whole thing? TV's easy. You can kick back. You can throw popcorn at it. You can talk over it. You Sometimes can watch your phone. I'll second screen it. Yeah, I'll watch a second TV show while I'm watching a TV show. Two TV shows? TV is meant to be watched while doing something else. Only like bad TV though, right? Could you like, imagine watching this movie and doing something, even without the language thing? Could you imagine I, being like, I'm just going to throw this on while I play some computer basketball? I rewound so many times because I realized I was like taking notes and yeah. they'd be like, well, Twitter's next to my notes. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, Mike, you can barely speak Spanish. <laughs> you, you cannot have a left ear on this. You should probably pay attention. I think one of them just said then. I think I heard then somewhere in that <laughs> sentence. Mm, definitely. Oh, boy. Somebody's name is The Boy. 2002 TV, Mike, to answer the question that you undoubtedly were about to just throw to mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes from a time where you just... What did the networks have on? That's what you were going to go There was no streaming. Out. Weird. No streaming. You just had to sit down with your tube television, probably wearing your tube top. You could be uh, flipping through a literal tiny magazine mm-hmm. to find out what's on TV yep. that day. And uh, a lot of shows just got started around this time, and uh, they were trying in a post-9-11 world to make entertainment work, and it was very difficult. Uh, just for the record, I was streaming. I was streaming fucking every single song in the world on my Napster account, bitch. Boom. Oh, I don't need to make it if drop that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as always, uh, there is a couple special ones that might get you more points or less points. Oh. What about that? There's toxic picks. So let's start this off right. Greg. Yes. Give me your first. 
2002 was the first season of The Wire. I know I said all we had is broadcast television, but we also had something that was not television. Mm, this isn't the Rushmore of not TV. It was HBO. The home box office? The Wire. This was finally somebody being like, okay, bear with us here. What if TV wasn't so awful? What if like we actually cared? What if we told a big story? What if the characters were complicated? And I don't know if you know this, Mike, but apparently being a drug cop in Baltimore... It gets complicated, it, you know? It's complicated. It, it does. And uh, my quick fingers might have hinted uh, <laughs> at what I was about to say. The Wire, right on that mountain. That means you don't even have to pick a character. It's yeah. all 75 characters <laughs> from The Wire. Oh, right, because we have to pick a character here. Right. Greg, you need a representative oh. head. Omar, of course. Yeah, there's got to... Even though he's not the biggest part of season one... No. Uh, it's clear he stands Omar's going to stand in. Show. Yeah. Omar's coming. Farmer in the Dell himself. <laughs> Ryan. Man, that seems that makes him sound so much less tough than he actually was. But it's terrifying. Yeah. Um, Mike, let me take you back to a time where <laughs> uh, we're just watching TV, hanging out with friends, uh, maybe smoking some weed. What? Maybe cleaning out an entire jug of cheese balls <laughs> in one night. And it's hard. That's what happens after you clean out that jug. <laughs> you shit in it. You shit everywhere inside Quick, that eat jug. These cheese balls. I need a toilet. <laughs> shit. Um, we. It's hard to explain to people this day and age what a phenomenon one Joseph Millionaire was yeah. to the entire world. Mike, this was a uh, hillbilly plumber. I want to say. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they told sixteen gold diggers that he was worth one. <laughs> Single million dollars. Which okay, if somebody's a plumber, if a guy, this is like a twenty-four-year-old guy, right? So he's a twenty-four-year-old plumber, dude. Stick it out. Like plumbers make good money. If you wait a few years, this guy might have a ton of scratch. Part of that, like Mike Rowe, didn't teach the beauty of dirty jobs yet in two thousand two. So part of the thing was they did not know he was a plumber. They thought he was a like dilettante. Right, they thought he was a one millionaire. No, they 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 like like this guy has one million dollars. If he spent a dollar on something, he no longer qualifies. You have to. It had to be Joe Billionaire in twenty twenty, <laughs> yeah. correct? Um, and it was this was back in the day where uh, at least I watched reality shows, and it felt like they were talked about in my bubble, uh-huh. and especially pre like social media, where it was you had to like actually go out, fucking hit the pavement. Nose to the grindstone in order Find to get some reality TV time. water cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping up tradition, both of your first picks <laughs> are on here. It's hard, right? It, it's hard not to because you just get so excited. Yeah. Remember when? Nostalgia. Also, like that's a very 2002 one. Some of yeah. these are like, you know, Wire went on for like six years or whatever. But like Joe Millionaire, that's, a, that's 2002. Th- it came and fuck. went that year. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like the third highest rated show of 2002. And then... By the time they got to the end of it, everybody felt bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were like, we shouldn't do this. And they did it a couple more times. And yeah, you had all these girls who were excited to meet a rich person. Right. That's what they were. But the way that we were supposed to read them, at, it was this filthy fucking gold digging whore. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of these women, they were not accustomed to having men lie to them. Mm. And so this was the first time. <laughs> men had them. never lied to women before yeah. 2002. Do you know what? I just say talk to her. Don't lie yeah. to her. Just talk to her. Right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You're a creep. Greg, what's up? All right. Let's see. 2002, reality TV was big, and nothing was bigger than Multiple Nights of American Idol, uh, a show that was so big 
that they would put it on like three nights a week. Yeah. And it's all we cared about. And we all agreed on one thing. Whoever wins this show... From now on, that person is famous forever. That worked once. And, and it was, this was the year. Kelly Clarkson, right, <laughs> yes. was from this year. And she's still basically around. Man, sometimes they'll just put a random person up on TV and they'll be like, winner of 2012's American Idol. And you're like, what? No. Who is that person? No, it's not. <laughs> it, this should be like an every five-year show if you're going to make us care about the people. Yeah. Or sure. every eight years. Like, do it every season to have one person come back for the eight. After eight years, you have... The eight Defend winners. your title. Yeah, and then oh. that person will be famous. Who's the true idol? Yeah. I like that. Or do it once every four years, like with elections. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of piggyback off that moment. And then have like an American vote, Idol Senate and American yes. Idol House. And the mm-hmm. other idols get to actually pick the real idol who comes later, and it's very Byzantine, and the rules <laughs> are complicated, and it's not a democracy. That was one of my special picks. Uh, it had to be there. It makes sense for them to base it after politicians because every time i hear a politician talk it's like they're just saying i dole i dole like they're boring ryan oh you did not that, 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 that was a twist play. you could that was a twist but if anybody uh who's listened to the show for a while knows uh i might be the reason ryan's still the way he is because i <laughs> eat that shit up all right ryan uh also tradition dictates let me know who's gonna be on the maybe pile right now <sighs> this is bullshit but um 2002 was, believe it or not, the only year that uh, Friends was the number one show. It went on for like 11 seasons, but it was always like four, five, six. That's shocking. This was the only year it was number one. And so I have to nominate our boy, the true weakest man in entertainment, <laughs> David Schwimmer. David as Schwimmer. As Ross Geller should be on this mountain. Is, is Greenzo this, in? <laughs> is this the only group of people that, when you think friends, it's, of course, David Schwimmer's faces who's on the mountain? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we are Schwimmer guys. We pivot. We go swimming <laughs> all the time. We could pivot to somebody else, but uh, I would not be okay with that. Well, friends is on the maybe pile. Greg? All right, 2002. I know what you're thinking, Mike. I want only the biggest, best shows. But you know what? Some of those shows existed before and after 2002. But you know what didn't? Clone High. (laughs) Clone High was on MTV. It was uh, Lord and Miller, and it started our tumultuous relationship with them. And honestly, this is the first thing we ever watched that starred Gandhi, and we just watched the the Gandhi movie. We did. I think about Clone High all the time. It was hilarious. You could not do it now, especially because a lot of it was actually kind of racist. Was it? I don't know. I don't really remember Clone High. I remember going, I like it. Yeah. It's weird. It was a good it was a good show and it was funny. Well, Clone High, Greg. Was Clone High the Oblongs? I was gonna <laughs> the fucking Oblongs oh was my, my Clone God, High. The Oblongs. I don't think I had cable yet, so it really was. Wait, was Clone High Squidbillies? Am I thinking that right? You are. Yes, it was Squidbilly Oblongs, and it's on the maybe pile. Clone Ryan? High was Gandhi, Joan of Arc, and Abraham Lincoln hanging out, going to high school, trying to deal with their changing bodies and the fact that they were all clones of major <laughs> historical figures. Did you guys know that Tegan and Sarah's biography of their youth is a TV show now? Yeah. I did not know that. It's called High School. It is called High School. Not Clone High. It's not called Clone High School. It's called the Oblong Squidbillies. Even though they are <laughs> clones of each other. That's what <laughs> twins are. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, I have a favorite show that I uh, talk about a lot. We talk about a lot. We the three of us text about it a lot more than people would think. Will and Grace. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> like I don't know if you just actually check. do. I think that you might. It just in the three of our text feed. It's me and Greg constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not going to nominate the titular character for this very popular show. I'm going to nominate Eddie the dog. Yeah, who really stole the show week in week out. That motherfucker. <laughs> 
That's just, I love Eddie the dog. <laughs> I wanted to Jack Russell for so long because of Eddie the dog. That motherfucker stole every scene. He hated Fraser. Mm-hmm. He loved Fraser's dad, John Mahoney. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess there's other characters than Eddie the dog from no. the show whose title I cannot even remember. How about the brother Niles, dude? I uh, love Niles. I was a Niles guy. Yeah. Yeah. You were a Niles head? Yeah, Daphne's good. Roz, dude. Roz for days. Roz is fine. Yeah, dude. <laughs> The toss salad and the scrambled eggs? Oh, that's what we should have done. Two, two-headed mountain, <laughs> toss salad and scrambled eggs. And then every once in a while, they'd bring back, uh, what's his wife's name? Uh, Maris? No, no that's, that's Niles. Niles. Maris ne- the heiress? Never shown Maris. B.B. Newworth, who obviously played. That's not Ross? Lilith? Lilith. 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 And this is the one where they were like, okay, remember how like on one or two cheers Lilith was hot mm-hmm. she was hot so much on Frasier <laughs> they really let her shine I was always weird though because they made her so pale uh, every time she came on I was like damn Lilith fair mm. Mm. <laughs> 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 Pat said no we can't do it every time <laughs> it's time for speed round what do we got Greg uh, Survivor, like it was, it was really popping off. Jonathan in Survivor and two, uh, it had maybe never, be, it would been never probably bigger than two thousand two. Ryan, uh, we have to every chance that we get in this era, we have to give out a big old Deborah. Yeah, dude, I've been waiting for this. Greg, uh, Firefly, you can't take the sky from me. You just can't do it. That is a good song. Firefly that is was, a terrible song. Firefly <laughs> was the first show ever that was like, uh, learn to speak Chinese, y'all. <laughs> yeah. They got it. They got it early. Ryan? Uh, I'm, I'm going to, I mean, like, we have to, I guess we don't have to, but I'm going to talk about William Peterson, the main character, uh, the first guy who ever went after a, a Hannibal Lecter character in a movie, star of the movie Manhunter, and was also the star of CSI. And it's crazy how big that fuck like that show was number one and number two was like half its ratings. Everyone could not get enough of CSI. It just owns the whole twentieth first and century then, though. This is back when it was like here's here's one show and then the, they clearly did the Simpsons joke where they're like yeah. we need twenty more shows. Okay, CSI another city. <laughs> I mean everybody said this, but like I've listened to countless podcasts about how it changed the legal world and right. how lawyers can't get people busted because. They're like, oh, we don't have CSI evidence, therefore we have to make and this guy... It's rating was 16.3. The next highest is Friends at 13.9. That's crazy. And then there's a bunch that are like, kind of around that level. But yeah, it was like doing like numbers that nothing else was. And only in the last year or two are people like, actually, a lot of CSI evidence is horseshit. Yeah. And Dude, we should not rely no, so like, It doesn't it. work. Apparently, you're not supposed to just watch eight years of Law and & Order and then go, I understand how the criminal justice system works. There's two parts, dude. I right. know law. And order. <laughs> Gentlemen, your 2002 Mount Rushmore of television is The Wire, Joe Millionaire, American Idol, and the other special wow. one that was picked wow. because Mike loves the heaviest, heaviest garbage. <laughs> it is DeBron is on that mountain. <laughs> I'm going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to her. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com, and it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action, and Amazon doesn't. 
Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! Marco and Benino have a lot of similarities, rape aside, but how are they different? What is Almodovar trying to say by giving us these two specific gentlemen, opposed to two others? And what is this movie ultimately saying men want from women or from each other? I, if I may, do something a little bit cliche and talk about how the first 30 seconds of this movie... Uh, is the movie in a nutshell. And I actually don't mean the play that we're watching because that might be the first couple of minutes. But it's us sort of realizing that we're watching the two main characters even if they don't realize it. Mm-hmm. They're sitting next to each other mm-hmm. watching a play. It's and us. they look like a couple. Yeah. It's us watching Benino watch Marco cry. Right. And we do not know that they don't know each other yet. Yeah. It very much seems like they are dating and that they are on a date together. It, and it, I, Not only does it seem like they're on a date together, it seems like that Benino's face is Marco's crying at this pretty uh obtuse performance art piece and marco's openly crying and benito's like what the? his face yeah. is like what the <laughs> fuck is this guy crying about but I, I think that's part of it but i also think that like uh, <laughs> I, i'm glad that i set you up for that point <laughs> you needed it uh, i think that there's a lot of it too that we're gonna go grow to learn that marco is an incredibly emotional person mm-hmm. and that's where some of the as far as Pedro is concerned, gender fluidity comes in because mm-hmm. in movies, women do these things that uh, Marco and Benini are going to do. Um, but Benino is going to watch Marco. And I think what we're seeing here is we're seeing a man capable of crying, which is rare, which is not something that we see in American movies. Right. And then we see a person like Benini, Benino, very involved in the play and then looking over at Marco and feeling those emotions, but not knowing how to express it. And I think right there we get how Marco is a very emotional person and Benino is sort of almost like admiring his ability to let it actually come out. It's admiring. I think it is confusion. It is. It feels like a dog trying to understand the internet. Yeah, that's what I think it is. I think he doesn't understand it. I think he's recording it. Like he's right. taking note of it because he's later he's a sociopath. going to say it to Alicia. Yeah, but like you, when he sees human emotion – he only sees, like, how can I use this yeah, in the future? He doesn't, like, I don't think he connects with it in any way because I don't think he understands it in any way. I mean, you can see the te- the head tilt, right? And yeah. And like, sort of just watch it. And But, I, I mean, I do think that, like... And he's like, Alicia is going to love this. Right. Like, she's so... he's there because she was into this shit. Yeah, he's there as her. Yeah. Like, he's there, like, To go tell her the her. story. Yeah. But it's not just be like... I, I, None of this movie, believe it or not, is about how important it is to talk to coma patients while they're in a coma. No, that's the, mo- that's no. the, like, <laughs> the most insane y- part of it. You think so much that, like, talk to her. Okay, these two these two guys know someone in a coma. It's important to talk to these people because some science says that that is important. None of it is about that. It's about finding this perfect partner and that will anything, never interrupt you. Benino's in jail, but and then she wakes up. If anything, his constantly, like, talking to her is not helping her it come back. It kept her trapped. It's yeah. once that they are apart that she comes all the way back. The telenovela part of this movie made me keep thinking like oh she's faking it she's yeah. she, she, like he walks in she's and she like closes Buster. her eyes <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like he is taking in all of the stuff that he sees from the movie or from the play rather and then all of the stuff that he sees from marco in the same way 
I'm learning from this yeah. and I'm learning from this at the same time because it's all on a stage to me. It's right. all It's equal. all the same. And that's, I think, why right. it's these two are specific because this is kind of Benino's story, right? How a sociopath learns to navigate. But Marco is important versus El Nino. El Nino would not be crying. Right. Because uh, Marco is uh, a man in touch with his emotions. And so that makes... Benino learned more than if it was like a dude's dude and makes the audience more on Marco's side right away. And it takes a while between before you go, oh, yeah, nice guys are pieces of shit, too. Yeah, I think this is a really early entry yeah. in the nice guys are pieces of shit canon. And I think that's where his country of origin comes in. Right. I think that the fact that he is called an Argentinian sometimes, mm. that's sort of like the stink that they're putting on it, is that a Spaniard would never do this shit. Because, like, the historically Spanish have done some gnarly stuff, you know, like we, we talk about like America's crimes, but like Spain was colonialist. Spain was fascist from like 1920 to 1970. Yeah. Yeah, And like when they decided that like, they didn't want to be fascist anymore. They also decided like, and we're also not allowed to talk about it. Nobody can bring it up. We all have to just forget that it happened, which is super creepy. Like, and so there, there's all these pressures. And I think in a way he's saying like Spain is super messed up. If you're from Argentina, you're going to be a little less messed up because, like, you d- aren't, like, in this stew here. Yeah, I don't think that Pedro's saying, like, only girly men come from Argentina. But, yeah, I do think that, like, he's saying that, yeah, Argentinians are at least more in touch with their emotions and able to do this. But I think some of the Spanish characters in here right. look at him weird. Like, aren't they, are, aren't they, like, kind of almost all portrayed as being, like, vicious and crude and like extreme and like yeah they're all so rude to each other like anytime i would try to figure out what anytime any two women are talking to each other and there's no men around or only benino around they're very crude with each other like the the um assistant being like i just took a huge elephant sized yeah that doctor assistant like yeah talking that is the quote of the movie the two women talking about whether marco has a big yeah how hung marco is like but but then the more i thought about it the more i was like kind of all of these people are being are like just so rude and gross with each other all the time that's interesting i i thought he was showing the women like that and it, it feels like progressive in 2002 to be like Women also talk. Yeah, like I think it's humans. The, it's the like, gender fluidity in that you have these women talking about their fucking dumps. I thought only yeah. we talked about our elephant-sized dumps, and that men don't want that. Men want the the cipher, the empty woman. Yeah, right. Doesn't. Or like talk like uh, you know, treating men's bodies like pieces of meat, or just talking about their physical uh, body parts. Like that's women don't do that, and that's just Pedro again playing with everything. Uh, I, the, the Spaniards to me in this movie, it came off as. And you see this with some American filmmakers as just aloof, as just like, mm. we're not paying attention to anything, and that's how you let somebody like Benigno get by. Because culturally, that's what they have been, like, in 2002, they have been spending 50 years trying to forget all the terrible things they did. And I just read this article recently about, like, uh, take like for a whole period, they were taking Spanish babies away from their moms if their moms were, like, too leftist and not fascist enough and then giving them to fascist families and there's a whole generation that don't realize they were like stolen and not part and so i wonder if he's really looking at spain and saying like we can't if we can't look at the bad things we're doing if we can't look at our twisted history we have no chance in the present and no chance in the future because we're like still acting like cavemen Mm -hmm. you know and and so as much as it's gendered it also seems like 
it goes outside to another layer, which is that like, like for instance, that that meeting, the board meeting they have about like, hey, one of our patients is pregnant. It doesn't seem caring. It doesn't no. like he's. It like, feels very much like who's gonna get in trouble. Who's gonna this? get and like and not, like, like who's gonna put like we're our number one thing is to not get sued. Right. Yeah. Like, and at one point he looks up and he's like, we're gonna tell her dad that this R word has been like solely in charge of her, and it's like. You're so crass and awful yeah. with everything you say, with every interaction, and yet they're also at the same time all trying not to look at what's really happening. Right. Like they're all still in that moment. If they could bury their heads in the sand, they would. But they sort of know right. that they have to be like, okay, obviously Benino did this. And I, right. that's but, a, that's kind of a timeless message that could definitely be talked about now. But it's like ostrogene is better than not because then there's some amount. Uh, culpability or responsibility you're going to have to take you know like all of those people on that floor let him yeah continue to work despite all of the right. signs that we as an audience were constantly watching including one of the nurses who obviously like is no. very skeeved out by him and that's why she's so rude to him all the time right. like that one in particular i think she's rude because she actually says like like so but that that, that just makes her more culpable because she right. knows on some yes. level, what's happening? They but all know, and they all just choose not to know. There's so much of it is avoiding social awkwardness. So you can be rude to somebody, and it won't make things that awkward necessarily. But if you call somebody out on the thing that is true, and you're pretty sure is true, that'll make it awkward. And that is everybody's always doing the tap dance of like... And that's why El Nino, is it's so shocking that he's like, hey, man, she was going to leave you for me. Because yeah. he's the first person who's like, I'm going to cut through like the niceties and the dancing back and forth and talking through the side of my mouth. The first time I watched that, I thought, that's too expository. But I, the second time I watched it, I was like, this seems real. He's just like, here's the whole deal. Because yeah. Marco walks in and this guy is like holding her hand. Saying, I don't, don't want to be around the bush. Like, let's yeah, just knock this so out. He's just like, and I, maybe that's the way in which he's shown as so manly, is he's just like, I can't dissemble in right. the least. I just have to tell you exactly what's going on. And it's... Honestly, the second time I watched it, maybe the most refreshing scene in yes. the entire movie. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, like you, like I was talking about the first time I watched it, I was like, this bastard is lying. Yeah. And uh -huh. there's nothing bastardly at all. He was like, man, I'm just going to fucking rip the bandaid off real quick. And she was we supposed can move to on. tell you, and I could tell looking at you that you hadn't been told. And I, and wasn't I know sure you're going to cry because you're an Argentinian. <laughs> I had to, like, and if you remember, he says, I have to actually leave for a few months. So he had to go. Yeah. And that, then he's just come back. And as soon as he comes back, he basically says, this is exactly what's going on. That's the only straightforward thing to ever happen in this movie. And it, it's almost good because normally, you know, somebody cheating, it would be bad. But he's like, look, I can't let you keep visiting this gal in a coma believing yeah. a thing that is not true. Yeah. Like, I need to yeah. let you be free. No, no, no. The bastard is the decent one. Yes. And I have to be here. Right. Like this also is, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, like I, I have to watch I have to stand as vigil and not because I wanna I got this sense anyways, not because I wanna have a one sided conversation with her, but because I owe this debt to her by loving her. Yeah. One was he a good guy? Was that like the one? I think he was he the might one. Be the yeah. one good wow, guy. there was actually one <laughs> It should have been called Talk to Him. And it was about this one time one guy talked to this other guy. You know why I was still suspect of him? Because right. he's named El Nino. Uh -huh. And yeah. so much of this is about that. I've, I felt a very heavy Itu Mama Tambi N vibe here right. where it's like, we, I have to be not just your lover. I also have to be your mom. Your little boy. I have to replace her. Yeah. You want to crawl back inside me. You want to like, you know, you want to enter me so fully you become me and consume right. me. Um, and that's definitely a, an Almodovarian trait that pops up in a few of his movies. Yeah. I thought that was one of the most true, interesting moments because I don't think he's talking about the, like, becoming the women. I don't think he's talking about trans identity there. I think he's talking about a very real male, like, cishet desire to not just control, not just have a woman, 
but like, like, like what I like. I'm gonna inform all of your yeah, opinions. Yeah, I want I want the line between us to disappear, and I want to like be the I want same to, being. I want it to be like the end of I think the first Men in Black, where you open up the head and there's that little guy inside <laughs> yeah. controlling. I want to be that little guy too. <laughs> I want to control my own life, but also right. be the little guy in your life. Yes. One thing I want to point out that I love about this movie is with the two of them, Marco and uh, Benino is there is a clear montage. It's very clear to all people watching, even for the first time of how interconnected these two are, but where it goes after watching it is to crazy points. And that is how, the first thing that these two gentlemen have in common besides going to the play together, which they don't even know each other at that point is the changing of the clothes. Like we are going to completely undress and dress these people that we're in love with. And it sort of just seems like their job. That's right. what I love about it is that it's very matter of fact. It's clinical. It's, and it's like, I'm going to help you because you're in a coma and you need some help get out of your dirty clothes and into your new clothes. And I'm going to, you know, wash you and everything while Marco is there or actually helping dress, uh, undress and then dress Lydia. Lydia as the bullfighter, as the yeah. bullfighter in all of that like intricate gear. Right. And we just think that that's, they're just there to help or they're just there. Like that's sort of what their role is in this point. But as the movie goes on, reflecting back on that scene, you realize how much more that that had to say mm -hmm. about how manipulative and cause you know, Benino did not have, dreams of being a nurse until he found out that Alicia was yeah. in a coma. That didn't know how to do makeup. Like this was all just to be close to her. Right. Whereas Marco was really only truly comfortable while being Lydia, who is a fairly masculine looking yeah, woman talk about oh, the yeah. fluidity, in yeah. a very masculine job. Um while he's there being the one to like take the button hook and mm -hmm. you know, that's all very slowly done. And it it seems so innocuous. It seems so like I'm just there to help. And then it so much more is revealed. Yeah, and it's interesting. He, they have like basically an inverted relationship in a lot of ways, except for the snake, right? And it's that she is, has a phobia of snakes to the extreme. Now I see it's an Almodovar type thing, but to the extreme of she's like, I'm never going back. Uh, yeah, right. I will burn that house down. <laughs> but that's like really the only time in which you see them, ex except for maybe the conversation where he won't listen to her, uh -huh. where they occupy the more quote, standard, quote, yeah. yeah, traditional roles with each other. And that's funny because that's where they both kind of fall for each other is when they fill those traditional roles. Yeah. Uh, and then it is inevitably that traditional stance of his that seems to push her away because we don't get a lot of them actually together. No, yeah. And it's like, you know, he later says it's my it's my fault this happened. And you get the sense that, first of all, that's very masculinist. Like, it must have been something I did. Right. It's like, dude, they opened the gate up and the bull came right out and got her. Mm -hmm. Like, it was not even, like, that was just, and I'm sure that's how it happens sometimes because the idea is you tire the bull out. So if the bull just, like, throws itself at you right away, I'm sure it could happen. But, right. like, on some level, he's like, that's my fault because I didn't listen to her. I wasn't there for her in that moment. Right. But, yeah, you just, you, you cycle through your brain saying, what is the last thing that happened where I can blame myself yeah. and rationalize it in my Because that head. makes it easier because it gives you some sort of control. And it's funny, El Nino's like, actually, it's my fault. Yeah. And he's thinking it's because she had that terrible thing she had to tell you and she didn't get a chance to. Look, it's everybody's fault but the bulls. But the Bulls. It's not the Bulls' fault. The Bulls. The bulls. <laughs> uh, we are going to take the quickest of breaks, and when we come back, do one of my favorite segments and, and try to get some money for this show. Well, <laughs> that is very, very funny or very sad. 
and perhaps now you have something to think about. Or very problematic, and perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at Your Pop Filter. Email contacts at Your Pop Filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. Gentlemen, we are in search of sponsors of the TV show. So we have used our time machine and we will be watching commercials from said future sponsors from the past to see if we want them to sponsor us. So clear. Now in the future. Yeah. No and uh, no mattress commercials from 2002. Like that's not our kind of podcast. We don't do mattresses. I don't think mattresses My prices are so too. low. You'll think I'm going through something. <laughs> or your mattresses Man, I, on some mattress commercials locally, I have like watched like a man become a family, become grown-up kids. Like I've watched a whole generation a whole mattress dynasty. Is that one of your reality shows, Mike? Mattress dynasty. I would watch the shit out of Mattress Dynasty. <laughs> they're selling you their mattress while they're on their back on theirs. Enjoy your sleep, because they're not gonna be. All right, so let's dive in. We've all done this eight years ago. It's been a minute since we've done future sponsors. We just put them on. Is this for The Gap? So we have the Pink Panther soundtrack, which is uh, O2 all the way. Oh, yeah. I see some Heineken. When I, in 2002, I, I thought Heineken was like a good beer. It's the fancy beer, yeah. Now if someone like tried to hand me a Heineken. The Poachers. These are two guys shopping together. They just stole somebody else's 12-pack of Heineken. But they're still going to pay for it. I used to love Heineken's back in the day because people would be like, uh, who can open this Heineken? And I would say this Heineken, and I would crack it open with my with butt your hole. butt. Yeah, yeah that's wow. pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Thank you. Uh, this is not one of our Now, ads. this is an actual ad. It's a few things. But it's not one of the ads we'll be talking about. No. But people are just opening fridges and looking at fridges and playing fridges. I can't wait till somebody from Walmart comes into my house and touches my fridge. That'll be so right. nice. Here's one of our sponsors. I'm going to say no to Heineken, by the way. Yeah. They're out. The kids are at a crosswalk with their mother. It looks gritty. There's oh, a Yoshi. There's a Yoshi. Oh, man. There, there's Yoshi, everybody. Yoshi's surprised by her. Oh, we got to throw an egg. Is this Yoshi's Island? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is the uh, Game Boy Advance port of Yoshi's Island. That's a great port. Was it a good port? It was such a good port. It was such a great port. I say yes to that one. Yoshi's Island? That's one of the greatest video games of all time. Yoshi, okay, they can do it. So, Yoshi, we're allowing them to sponsor us. I, if, Greg, if we're going to give Greg Yoshi, then we should get Yoshi Noya. The Those beef bowl? bowls, yeah. I would love a Yoshinoya beef bowl. You would not. No. You, you would you shit know, through your jeans. Do you know that that's a place you could go to right now? Like, we could all no. get out and pile into the car and go to Yoshinoya. I bet you anything. I bet you anything that there's a Yoshinoya within driving distance of this place. If we got there, though, I, I still would not order food. No. Well, no. I would just stare at them like they do exist. Uh, perfect tangent, perfect <laughs> segue to somebody else who might make a shit through our jeans. Let us watch. These cars are all driving on two wheels. Two now, I do burrito. four. Bring it on. Oh, wow. It's because they got these heavy burritos. Their food is so heavy. Grilled stuff burrito? It's the introduction of grilled stuff burrito. Wow. Oh, I'm a major yes. I like uh, my stomach. I just... 
even the bus, everybody on the bus is eating the Taco Bell. Wheels, you gotta think outside the it's, it's still like, because we're in 2002. Yeah. I was it's still a little 90s to me PC. because it's still like, there's this cool thing coming. And then the action shots of the burrito. Yeah, dude. Uh-huh. I like that they called it affordable. <laughs> you know, like when, I, when I'm going to get a burrito, I don't want to break the bank. No. Did you guys hear that uh, Republican politician or talking head who was like, man, uh, like everything's so expensive. I went to Taco Bell. My lunch was $28. Yeah, dude. <laughs> what did you order? That's still sir? tough to do. How big is that Baja Blast? Yeah, dude. That guy got extra Baja Blast. <laughs> Taco Bell's it. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Everyone freeze. That's Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh, she's going to do the entrapment. She's going to do an entrapment. And he's bored stiff. Let's change that. Oh, <laughs> Look at that phone. It's a flip phone. He's not going to be bored of mine now. It is so hard for me to imagine Catherine Zeta-Jones using a flip phone. Cool. Turn it up. Now get the most How he's getting unbored is he brought a friend who is describing a kung fu phone to him. Get more. He's a chopping... Men think about women every oh, 5.3 seconds. Men, Men think, think about, about women so every 5.3 seconds. Because they're all the same, except this one. High endurance deodorant so. soap made just for guys. Oh, wow. It's so Maybe weird to see an Old Spice commercial that isn't like starring a centaur, like yeah. piloting a boat through space. So what I like about that is the the generically handsome guy says men think about women every 5.3 seconds that's code for sex right yeah but oh, they, they're thinking about boobs they never think about soap so he's saying if you want to bang wash your junk yes which honestly that's probably a good message do girls uh, are they into old spice oh girls yeah love dude. Old spice. yeah my body does not my body breaks out in literal when, rashes i say no when a woman gets close to you after she has moved through the cloud of axe body spray and she goes to smell your neck. She should only smell Old Spice. This is probably more about me than Old Spice deodorant, but there are certain versions of it where I will use it and then it will eat part of my armpit skin. Yes. Yeah, where it like burns. Yeah. And that, then like that's if, not you. If I look at it, like there will be huge not huge, uh, but like very thin layers of skin taken out of my armpit. That's I, your body rejecting the deodorant. They're they're a bad company. Maybe invent new spice and yeah. that'll work. I say I vote no for May, You know what? Honestly, pretty soon I'm going to stop buying the thing that burns my armpits. How about that? Someday. Yeah, soon, probably. Is Old Spice what everybody in Dune was after? Yeah. <laughs> That's what made their eyes go crazy because they snorted it. <laughs> Don't rub it in your eyes, you idiot. so much Old Spice they could see the future. <laughs> All right, I'm pretty pumped about this next one. It's directly tied into one of our movies. Charles Entertainment Cheese. Oh, shit. <laughs> Okay. If you've ever been in your room and you just want to shoot thick ropes, <laughs> now you finally have the opportunity. It is a, a web slinger. I worked at KB Toys, and we had these at KB Toys. Did you cover each other? And, no, we never We never got to play with them. What does KB stand for? Um, kids be Kyle's buying. Big. Oh. Kids, <laughs> kids, be, kids buying. be buying toys. Kids. kids. All right. We're going to do two more. This How's is an sound? Elmo. It's now, not, Ryan, it's two more. Yeah. Uh, this is from like 20 years ago. Right. Elmo's over, right? Yeah, no, nobody talks about Elmo anymore. Jeffrey is very sad. Jeffrey the giraffe. Why does he sound so old? This two-day sale is going to be rough on Jeffrey. Oh, yeah. Because these toys are his friends. Not as rough as when investment bankers came in and bought up his company and then stripped it for parts. I'm Jeffrey. Does this commercial make you mad? Because this is for Toys R Us and you're a KB boy. Kids be buying toy boys. It makes me mad because there are no more Toys R Us's anymore. 
my favorite commercial. Goose. Goose. Wow. I'm not comfortable saying that word. Why? Goose. You can also blow up the goose. The goose glows in the dark. Kids love just crap. Yeah. Here's just absolute junk. I want it. I would just watch these commercials and write them down, every single one, regardless, on my Christmas list. Do they? Do you think they have a goose for adults? Maybe a gray goose? <laughs> it's high end. <laughs> it's it's actually filtered. not. It's actually they just, just your average vodka. Like, and they yeah. put it in a really nice Super goose nice bottle. Goose. <laughs> it comes in a plastic egg that you well, sip okay. out of. I I demand I demand the Yoshi Advance account. Okay. First of all, that game has never been more popular. I, well, I, I, whatever on Yoshi. I'm Yoshi neutral, but I do think that because of its fuel for us yeah. to this day and the incredible shooting of not just the entire commercial, but that burrito, Taco Bell is in for sure. That's insane I, to me. I haven't had Taco Bell in like a year. You That means you can never have it again. There are still, I would still say there are probably five pounds of Taco Bell on me. In your Because I ate, yeah, so much <laughs> the, of it It's like for chewing so gum. Long. It stays in your body for seven <laughs> years. The last time I had Taco Bell was with one, Ryan, and uh, halfway through my burrito, I was like, we need to find a bathroom immediately. <laughs> That's how fast it moves through me. If you, uh, it's funny you said, like, uh, if you haven't had it in a year, your your body forgets that it's yeah. supposed to just accept that that's food. And if you try it again, your body's like, where'd you find this, dude? Don't eat yeah, this. Yeah, this is plastic. Yeah, <laughs> this is not food. I've never, and this is, I know this is the wrong segment to bring this up on because it's future sponsors and we're trying yeah. to get money. But we're I, get that Taco Bell account, Ryan. I've never seen somebody eat a grilled stuff burrito like Mike because he will uh, rip off the top, suck out all the filling, yeah. and then use that and fill it back up with food. <laughs> <laughs> well, nothing can hold Taco like, Bell the poop. Taco Bell. Breathe. Finally, a food that comes with its own TP. Well, get at us, sponsors. We've, I think, okayed all of you, especially T-Mobile. By the way, if you, if you actually are a sponsor on our show, we won't make fun of your product or no. say it gave us diarrhea or that, that Mike uses it to wipe his butt. Yeah. Totally listen to Movie of the Year and how we talk about fucking cyberspace. Oh, man. <laughs> we gotta never get make fun of that. These new underwear. That are so great. I could use some new underwear, honestly. You I, should I, get some. Hit at me, Mac Weldon. I want to say, too, that there were a couple that we said no to. Those are obvious. Those are like subtle yeses, right? Yeah. Like Heineken, yeah. We're playing hard well, to hit, hit us back. We're yeah. going to put you on the show. <laughs> We're just being coy. We'll pitch your terrible beer. All right. Those are our sponsors. Get at us, sponsors. Take a break and then uh, be very serious and talk to her. Should I have recorded that? Taste Buds, we are treated to multiple other shows within the film, including the bookending plays, bullfighting, a backyard musical performance, Lydia's interview, and a seven-minute short film in the style of an old silent horror movie. What is Pedro doing handing so much of his movie to these other works that he did not direct? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say. What? That silent film is clearly a pre-existing silent film. If you're watching the movie, you can see like the movie stops and someone clicks on YouTube and just pulls up different <laughs> random videos. The dances, I feel like I've seen that kind of thing before. The silent film, definitely not. I want to talk about that. The one that stuck with me the most, though, was that interview. Because yes. the, movie, yeah. the movie had seemed so... Grounded? Serious? Yeah, grounded. And that was like a little hint of the movie Brazil... Or a little bit of like almost Hunger Games, an SNL character. Yeah. <laughs> so the the I would say Argentina, but go with Brazil. <laughs> the setup is that uh, right. Lydia, who's a famous bullfighter, is going to I guess fight six bulls. Unfortunately, the first one takes her out right away, so we don't get to actually see that. But she's giving this interview, and she doesn't want to talk about her ex boyfriend, also bullfighter, who we'll see later, El Nino. And the interviewer 
is demanding that she do it. So much to the fact that Lydia gets up and st- is going to storm off the set. And no! the lady yeah! grabs her arm and she like grabs pulls it, like, her back down. Gets dragged. Yeah, she pulls her back down and then almost gets dragged off yes! the couch. And then lays that. on the couch and kind of like holds her hand <laughs> out as she walks away. And she's like still saying, like talking about their relationship with El Nino. I, all of the, all of the reasons that all of these things. So let's say four. Let's say two plays, a movie, and an interview. No, yes. and a, a song. And I that backyard that, performance. I think yeah. the backyard song, too. So. Which was like, that guy's voice is so beautiful. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's what it's like to be rich, is you just hire professionals. Oh, I thought you were saying your just voice is suddenly amazing. That's got to be music moment. I love how Pedro does this thing of like, it's they're all obvious why they're there. Yeah. And yet so exciting to talk about and figure out why there's other like less obvious elements to them. But mm-hmm. let's start with the interview, which is I think very purposely put in early in the movie to let you know that it, it does sort of kickstart this thing of like, man, we're not going to be like this the whole time. Yeah. That's extreme. We're never going to be like that TV interview, but we aren't going to be like this very quiet, you know, totally normal. Drama. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, it's not magical realism. But it's a little bit of absurdity, a little bit of camp, yeah. maybe. And like, it, that's, again, Almodovar is just like, just sprinkling some camp yeah. on his stuff. And it, because like, he almost wants to say, does that mean, does that mean you turn down in any way the drama? And he challenges you to say, no. It can Because all life is that stupid. Life yes. is that absurd. And I'm not, like, to even depict it, I have to do these things that are kind of out there. Yeah, like, it, like the whole movie has a crescendo on it as far as the telenovela soap opera melodrama of yeah. the whole movie goes but then there's these certain like like orchestra hits mm. and that serves as one of like just to let you know what you're watching and it, it starts with one the, the performance art piece of the women who's are their eyes closed and there's tables and chairs all over stage and they are doing sometimes a choreographed dance sometimes just throwing themselves against the wall and a guy is just running around trying to get the like tables clear and out the chairs yeah they're in some state and there's but luckily they have a guy there mm-hmm. even though we can't talk to them there's a guy there to come and rescue them and, and be their hero their and own, shove everything yeah and that that's their what own makes woman Marco is. cry and yeah. they're wearing the white slip that you see Alicia wear right. all the time it's like the same exact outfit that she But wears. like yeah women are just patients just quiet speechless patients that we have to come in and save and this exasperated looking sweaty wide-eyed dude is just throwing all the things out of their way for them and do we know I know about the interview and the movie, the silent film, but uh-huh. are the plays that bookend the movie, are those real? Yeah, I mean, th- those are in-universe actual shows because Benino is going to that. Because no, no, that's no, I'm sorry. Are, are they in our universe? Oh, uh, like, are they... I have no idea. Yeah, that's a really good question because I, I don't think so. I think they're generated for... Like, I think they're part of the fiction of the movie. But like, they are believable enough more than... Oh, yeah. Especially if you've gone to a small a theater small in a big city. That's the kind of performance shit you art, Look, I like a lot of, like, esoteric yeah. stupid bullshit. You're very smart. Performance art sucks. Because, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've, we've described the first one, and then the, the second dance number is the woman, like, almost pretending to sing. Again, reminded me of Mulholland. Yes. Drive, right? Pretended... Or not really pretending to sing. It's like there's a song going on and then a, a man is running around. A bunch of men are like holding her and carrying her through the air as she like is kind of like she just goes, limp. And then a guy runs up with a microphone every once in a while. And she, yeah, she goes like into it. Yeah, that was the one where I was like, I dig this. But whereas the first one, I could totally see how it connected uh-huh. to the movie. Right. That was the one where I was like, okay, she doesn't have a voice. She's only she can only sigh. And only, all these men are moving her. It's, it's and all the men are in charge of the microphone and. 
like it's like let's listen to her but really her like talking is just whenever she is allowed to have the microphone by the men yeah like we will you get to talk when we allow you to talk and then all she does is like sigh or grunt yeah and it's there's nothing to listen to yeah we just need to allow you to think that you're yeah yeah they're like oh she did it and then there's an actual woman singing and they're kind of dancing to that but like not attending to it in a way like they're paying attention to the silent woman that's right there with them and i think that we still have to get to the silent film but i think that the two plays that book and the movie really speak to the fact that like bitch you have no idea what you're watching you have no idea the influence that this is having on you mm-hmm. and we get to see that with benino in watching it like we we don't know at that time and he will never know how much this pop culture is like manipulating him and yeah. turning him into the person that he is. And I'm not saying that pop culture is responsible for him raping someone, but he is, I think Pedro is at a certain time saying that like this stuff is seeping in mm. and whatever your broken brain is taking out of it is a big influence that you on can you. Twist whatever yes. you take in to what you want the message. And then, to yeah. Be. And then that way you can get to the point where you can say, no, I'm going to marry her because mm-hmm. I'm in love with her. Because uh, in part, because of the pop culture that you watch, you will twist it to have it say whatever you want it to say. And And that's what Pedro's doing with this stuff. I'm twisting it so it is little uh, microcosms of my movie. And because he can be her. Because, like, he can totally contain her. He can be himself, which becomes a diminishing. He becomes smaller and smaller and smaller as he becomes more and more her, right? But... The, even the fact that he thinks that he can, I'll just carry on her life, mm-hmm. that he can totally encapsulate and understand right. her that easily. And what has Pedro been doing this entire career making movies about women? That exact same thing. Well, yeah. Oh, I'm going to tell women stories, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to write the scripts. I'm going to direct them. I'm going to encapsulate the parts of the lives that right. I find interesting. I'm just as bad as they are. I was thinking about this while watching this. Like, Isn't every story where a man creates a female character, isn't every one of those Pygmalion? Isn't it always you create this statue of the perfect woman and then you fall in love with it. Well, and so like, don't... I mean, think about the eighties and the nineties and the amount of movies that we saw where the right. dork gets the hot chick and yeah. who was writing and directing mm-hmm. those movies. Dorks. It... <laughs> but I, I don't think Elmodovar's in that same boat. Because well, I think his... he is, uh, commenting on it. Well, no, and, and he's afraid. I, I, he's paranoid. Yeah, I think that he's is interrogating him. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, because he's part of the culture. He's part of pr- producing all this stuff. There are a lot of, especially male auteurs, who seem to be drawn to telling ladies' stories. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what's going on there? Like, are you completely guiltless at the end of the day when this is like you can't? I don't know if you can make art as great as talk to her without doing this to yourself. And I think this is like this is why the stock for blue is the warmest color has fallen so much since it came mm. out because that now in hindsight seems so clearly I want to film two girls fucking right and I'll tell a story around it but with this right. I, I, think, I don't know what that looks like but I know what the male version of right, the imagined right. yeah and I refuse to ask or like have a woman come in and direct or I just I just want to make my own yeah. thing. I can imagine it with my eyes closed. But I got it from here. I do think that uh, and also like we're, we're right now we're dealing with Blonde, the Andrew uh-huh. Dominic movie which is seems to be putting audiences through the ringer and saying like you did this to Marilyn Monroe and everyone's saying bitch you While he's did making this up to stuff Mar- that did yeah. not happen in her life. And like yeah. uh, making torture porn. This I feel like uh Almodovar is being exactly as introspective or like force, like reflecting it on us as much as he is him mm-hmm. and storytelling and what and relationships and what are we doing here? Didn't 
we more or less though torture and kill Marilyn Monroe, even if the details are different than as depicted in that movie. Sure, but this guy wanted to make torture porn. Yeah. And yeah, would subject the I audience. haven't seen Blonde. This is just based on what yeah, I've seen. Yeah, based on what Twitter has told us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I know I like I, I do think that uh Almodovar is like he finds it interesting to do this stuff to the audience, to his characters, and to himself all at the same time. And that's interesting to us as well. Right. Whereas it sounds like, based on what I've heard, Dominic is doing it in a very uninteresting way. It's uh, an actual smart human being and then uh, in a mode of art and then a dummy who thinks he's smart. And, See, and I love a... his movies so far. I really yes. do. But it, it sounds like he... Oh, Dominic. Dominic. Uh, is it t- time, Mike? No, it's it's... I want to talk about the silent film. Is that what? Is That's what I mean. Is yeah. yeah. And talk about, we've, we've talked about Lynch a few times on Mulholland Drive. The silent film is a racer head all <laughs> over the place. It reminded me of that so much. It's disturbing to watch. It's, it's goofy looking and creepy at the same time. And uh, a man shrinks and shrinks and shrinks until he crawls inside of a giant rubber vagina. Sure uh, was that a real vagina? It was not, Ryan. And that was not a real shrinking man. Well, certainly the pubes were real, though. <laughs> Those were real pubes. Yeah, you could tell because how real they looked. Those wiry. Yeah, uh, it's... Okay, this is... Um, the way that this is interspersed with Benino's, like, description of the night is... Uh-huh. he it, He's, like, getting ready to... It feels like for the first time ever, rape Alicia. And he's, like, telling her the story of this silent film which is about a man who to like prove that he is listening to his scientist girlfriend takes her concoction, which she tells him not to take repeatedly. And then he just does. And then he shrinks and then they still try to carry on a relationship, even though he's a tiny little guy. And then at the end of it, it's just, she's like, I'm going to fall asleep. And I thought what was going to happen is she's like, I'm afraid I'll crush you. And he's like, don't worry. And I thought what was going to happen was she's going to crush you. Right. But instead she falls asleep and he like, undresses her, runs all over her naked body, and then finally puts himself into her vagina. Now, the first part that you said, the run o- all over the naked body, reminded me a lot of Benini, uh, Benino, of like, he he caressed the breast yeah. in the same way that he did, Benini did as a nurse, right? And Simp. That, and yeah, and that's sort of where we're getting the uh, comparisons then. But then we get to him being basically the size of a, a vagina, and not doing the typical thing, I would think, what I would do in that situation, which is try and use my tiny little wiener inside of that <laughs> vagina. But instead, almost like praying to the altar of this mm-hmm. God and going in, like, testing it out, testing out the waters, and then going fully inside. Which, honestly, like, now that it's 2022, felt like I was watching The Boys. Like, that's yeah. what this movie felt like. And, I mean, very much, it, it's sexual, but it's also very much like a reverse right. birth. Right? right and very much like the idea that um he never comes out mm-hmm. and yeah. so like he has fused or merged with or become ultimately a part of this woman which there, is, he's an anglerfish and yeah where the dude attaches to the the female and then just becomes gonads and, and my question is this did a moldovar go a little bit too far in making kind of an ob- like is that too obvious is all of that too I, the reason I don't think so is because we watch Benino right. uh, become what he becomes. And I guess you could say that he was always going to uh, – eventually, like, he was going to come to this end. And the movie was not, like, what talked him and into it. And we can it, only just... speculate that this is the time that this happened and the 
maybe the only time or the first time that this mm. happened. It feels that, that part's hard, right? But we're, there's a lot we're not shown, and so we well, the, don't yeah, exactly the, and know. And it's time jumps and choppiness. She is suddenly like he has just put her in an incredible amount of makeup and like tried to do something with her hair, but she looks at once seven and like, but. Like, I think it completes the cycle of I took care of my mom like I'm taking care of Alicia and she gave birth to me. And and we were one and then we were two. And now me and Alicia are two and now we're going to become one. And I think that's what leads him to go off on the whole we're in love. I'm going to marry her thing. Like when he says that to Marco, I know the guy's kind of twisted, but when he says that to Marco, he really believes that like he's like surprised by Marco's reaction. Oh yeah, he's never thought. No, we're, we're in love. And he thought that it was just a like a natural matter of but, course that we're gonna become one again, and I'm gonna climb back into the. And because climate. Marco has never really checked his weird behavior, right? Yeah, it's moment. twofold. It is that Marco he fully believes it. that, and that he thought Marco was the one guy he could just say Finally. all his weird shit to. And so when Marco's like, uh, "Consent, brother." Uh, Benino's like, "But you're Marco," and Marco is as much talking to Marco there as yes. he's talking uh-huh. to Benino. I mean, he's because very, like, he's saying everything that is 100% true, but that's like a mode of our talk, like making a movie for himself. Marco is talking to himself there. Like, mm. you can't do this, dude. And this is the point where Marco realizes that it's stupid to be in love with a lady in a coma that never loved you. I'm going to be in love with this guy instead. Yeah. I'm going to be his, this is my real life BFF slash not like sexual lover, but like this is where all of my feelings are going to go, and that's what makes him so defensive right. of Benino, Benino for the rest of the movie. And it's clear in in Marco's what what is very traditionally male in him is he's like, well, with the snake thing, and then with how he treats Benino, he's like, well, I need to take care of and protect a weak person who doesn't know better. Yeah, like that's his like beating his chest. Dude, and ultimately, like in the end of the movie, Benino is gone, Alicia is still there. Alicia and Marco are going to be together. I don't think that's true. I don't know where I'd like. I didn't see that part. Well, I guess because oh, really? the, the, the title, title card that says Alicia and Marco, but they're just in a theater, two rows away. But they are looking at, at each, other. each other, and she's under like a dude. That the the, the implication at the end of that movie is that uh, I read here's that what too. you have: Alicia looking at him in that innocent like agog, him looking back like I'm gonna, I'm going, I'm gonna pursue this, and the the teacher, the, the bad teacher who looking knows Marco, aghast, yeah, and looking like. Because she did the same thing a lot of other people did, which is she knows it's not cool for him to be around Marco, that it's not really right, that they sh- that he should not be talking to Alicia. Right. But she kind of countenances it so long that it, when it does become a problem, which she looks distraught. In that last shot, she looks very concerned about the energy that's flowing mm-hmm. between the two of them. And I, the fact that the title card comes up and says Alicia and Marco. And it feels like Marco's going to do what Benino did to Alicia, Marco's going to do to Benino yeah. and live out what Benino wanted his life to be. Yeah, or okay. he's gonna re- he's gonna replace <laughs> he's gonna replace Benino yeah. with Alicia, and then live on in that same way. And I think that honestly, and it does make sense that there uh, all of these take place in a audience of a play. Yeah, like, right. Being... And and then so in at least in the realm of the movie, Benino passes on, and kind of does become. Alicia, mm-hmm. like right. because she, which is his dream. The yeah, time. right. It's not to like it. It it doesn't feel a lot like they want to have a healthy couplehood. No, even though no. Benino is very healthy, uh, 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 very unhealthy about things. It's uh, that was an accident. That they, <laughs> that they do want to become Voltron. They want yeah. to Voltron yeah. together. Yeah, they 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 want to they want the woman so much right. that they want to become her, become her child. Like they want, it, dude. 
men 2022 like i mean they want they want this fusing they want to be the woman that they love it's not enough to just like possess her and control her that's the men that's that's the men that one's on purpose it's speed round (laughs) gentlemen the plot and interconnections between the characters are both very complex in this is there ever time where that complexity gets to be too much i like I, i honestly think that dropping that interview was so fucking masterful. Like the mm-hmm. TV interview that Marco watches. Uh, and it just sort of set you up to know that like, this is the kind of movie or th- yeah, this is the kind of movie it's going to be is that it has things like this. It's on TV. So therefore it doesn't matter. Like that's, that's fiction, but also we're watching this on a TV. I think, and it sort of makes everything fiction. I think that there are scenes where that have to be so expository to get you caught up with what's going on. But the more I think about it, the more it's like, those are the telenovela scenes. Right. Like, th- that's what you have to have in, in a really complicated plot, is finally someone needs to stand up. Because, like, El Nino, when he's like, here's exactly what right. happened, it felt too expository to me at first. But if you think about it, it's even in the movie, it's supposed to be kind of awkward in right. a way. We, yeah. We needed that narrator. Performance is so much part of every... Everybody is always performing, no matter where they are. That yeah. El Nino... A professional performer is now performing for an audience who isn't there, as he tells Marco. Yeah. As far as soap operas go, like maybe you like all my children, but I like Al Modovar. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> if you were a shrinking lover, where would you head? Seven <laughs> Eleven. I think up on Swim the shoulder. I would, yeah, I would get hide under, under the, the hair, like under the on the neck of the back of the hair. I get under that nacho cheese machine, just fucking <laughs> fill just up, drown and die. Just like I, I don't know, like maybe uh, snowboard along the décolletage. Oh, I would definitely take a nap in my own crock. That sounds nice. <laughs> just I don't, know, I don't know if that's smelling your own whiffing feet, whiffing <laughs> your own stank. I guess I hadn't thought of that part. I'm huffing Gregfoot tonight. <laughs> El Motivar's original title for this movie was Loneliness. What's the title for this movie that would have been even more on the nose? Yo, she's in a comma two? Coma two? <laughs> coma two. Two coma, two still. Does this movie judge its characters? Are any shown to be quote-unquote good? Are any purely quote-unquote evil? Or is it painting a more complex world than that? I think we've been talking about this yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's a complex world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know, but honestly, I think in the end, I'm looking at El Nino, and I'm thinking, like, this was like... He's the good guy. Yeah, and you know what? It, part of it is because he's, I, I think, a little more simple. Right. And I think that there's a way in which um, all of these people He's are a dumb a little, Chad. Be a Chad. Are, yeah. They're a little too complicated for their own good. And so they lie to themselves. And so then they lie to everybody else. And honestly, with directors, with filmmakers that uh, uh, seem like Almodovar, according to how I see him, these are the guys who always get shit on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because like, uh, I was a nerd in high school or whatever. Yeah. And it's like to give him this role of like, no, I'm just, I'm the Straightforward, dude. Straightforward, yeah. honest, masculine. Yeah. Our final question. Before recommending this movie to anybody, what's the ramp up you need to give? Yeah, it's hard because like when you want to tell somebody about a movie like this, you want to tell them so little Mm -hmm. because part of it is it lays out the scenes one at a time and you have to be there constructing it yourself. But at the same time, it's like, do you really send somebody into a movie about a guy that rapes his patient? Like without without being like, by the way, this is deeply weird and there's a lot that's messed up. But if you if you tell somebody that ha- how messed up and weird this movie is before they start watching it, they can't experience it. See, I don't really recommend like Eli Roth movies mm-hmm. or um, 
what's that one movie? The uh, Avengers. The the Avengers colon Age of Ultron. <laughs> I don't really recommend those kind of movies. That's true. Uh, but I would say no. I would say no. No ramp up. Yeah, I would. I would give no TW, and I would just. But I also, or I wouldn't rec- like if I. Thought I wouldn't I, recommend it to. Like, yeah. I would recommend this to a very small group of people. Right. I guess one thing I might say is like you know it is art. Like it's a it's an arty movie and it's very complex and so. You'd warn I'd, them about that before you'd warn them yeah, about Yeah, exactly. That. Well, like, but that would yeah. be my oblique way of saying, like, because if something is art, that means it's like, who was it? It was the the lady from Verdict who just, uh, she said recently in an interview, I don't think film is supposed to make you feel comfortable. Like, I don't mm. think film is supposed to make you feel good. It That's the a spirit in which I would tell somebody about this movie. Like, movies, if you believe movies are meant to make you feel good, then you don't want to watch this movie. And but I, if you think go that watch movies the are, water boy, you if fucking you, peasant. If you think that movies are meant to show us a part of life that's not easy to understand or easy right. to look at most of the time, then go see this. I I have a feeling, and I might be wrong, because I think part of this movie is like you are wrong. You might be wrong about the people that you know. Uh huh. But I I have a feeling about the people that I know that I know if they would give this a one star on Letterbox because of the yes. elements in it, and though I would not recommend it to them. Maybe they're people who hate the boys. And talk sure. about how much they hate the boys yes. all the time. Or people yeah, who just can't get past someone being victimized yeah. like this. You know, and it just makes them feel so uncomfortable and it just takes them out of the experience. Then I wouldn't recommend it. No, that's fine. It. That's what Mr. Deeds is for. But like, I, I wouldn't <laughs> want to ruin your... There are other movies than bad Adam Sandler movies, Mike. <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. There's You're motor from one and particular Sandler. era. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to ruin their two hours and then probably their week if I already right. knew that like they were go- they're going to hate this because of one element. I'm not judging them. Right. I'm they just... won't be able to see through. Yeah. Right. Well, that is all the time we have for any questions. We're going to take the quickest break, and then it's award season. We will end how we always end, with awards. With the beginning. At the beginning. beginning. And this is a movie that was nominated for and won a frick ton of awards. Which means it should have been like disqualified from the Sweet 16. Because it won too many awards? Academy Award? Are you kidding me? That's but disgusting. It only won original screenplay. I'm a it didn't even get nominated for Best Foreign Picture because Spain put another movie up. <sighs> Spain? Come on. What are you Spain? doing? Spain? <laughs> They're like, um, don't pay attention to this movie. Being a Spain in my ass. We're going to start how we often do here with recommendations. Greg, what do you got? There are so many movies that I thought of uh, while watching this and so many books. But ultimately what I landed on was um, the novel uh, by Nabokov, Lolita. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Is that me? the same thing for you? Right. Close. <laughs> <laughs> um, in uh, Lolita is obviously about a, um, a lot of things that are uncomfortable, but one of the things obviously. it's about is um, can you... Humbert Humbert says he loves Lolita, um, even, even though she's just a little girl, and then at the same time, he despises her um, because she's a little girl, because she's not refined in the way that, that he likes. And so it's an examining what is it like to love and loathe something at the same time and like just like tell yourself that you're not abusing this person when like it's obvious that you are lying to yourself about that uh and that's what i see here i see uh a motivar looking at men and saying you say you love women but what you mean when you say you love women is you love this empty space into which you can project something it, isn't that just that feels like so with Lolita and with talk to her they're extreme examples but that's just how so many dude ass dudes and that's the thing I think what deal gets, with dating I think what gets lost when people talk about Lolita is what's really being critiqued is that men not men having a relationship with children which obviously is wrong but 
what's being critiqued there really is the way men just talk about women Mm -hmm. and the way men treat women, adult women. Right. And the fact that it's like, you fucking hate these people. So why do you want to have relationships with them? Or if you want to have relationships with them, why can't you find a way not to fucking hate them and make their lives miserable and abuse them and treat them like garbage? And how can you say you are doing both of those things at the same time? And it's obvious when it's a woman in a coma. It's obvious when it's an underage girl. But they are both showing the extreme fucked up relationships Mm. between men and women that we have become accustomed to countenancing, to burying our heads in the sand, to uh, uh, excusing, you know, our fellow men for engaging in or something. Why? How can you love where you loathe at the same time? And I think that's what Lolita is about. Ryan? Like my recommendation... Because I want uh, I want people to read or watch things that maybe that they're not already doing that mm-hmm. aren't that famous. Stanley Kubrick, we all know his classic films, uh, Killer's Kiss, The Killing. Did he make others? The Kissing Killers. The Kissing Killers. Um, but in 1962, he made a movie called The Shining or <laughs> Lolita. And if oh, wow. if The you, Shining Lolita, if you watch that movie, it almost feels more like a classic Hollywood movie than a. Kubrick capital K movie but if you watch it it's a master of film tackling uncomfortable shit and not saying thumbs up guys this is all okay to do but we can't have these conversations unless we go past the taboos that are there and then talk about it I am not saying that rape of coma patients or dating a 14 year old if that, yeah, uh, is okay. I'm just saying that once we once we start the conversation like that, where do we go from there? Right. And you can feel this master. It's not. It's not. In, it's not in anybody's uh, top five of Kubrick movies, mm. but it is still a masterpiece because you're watching somebody be like, "I'm gonna do this." Uh, you know what? Well, that's because his bench is just so deep, right? This, yeah, true. Like he has made like five of the top. 25 movies of all time but i'm gonna i'm gonna start the conversation as grossly as possible which i think pedro's doing here and then saying where do we go from here after that once you're already over the fact that i started this conversation now what do i get to say and i think that's how both movies are in conversation right mine is after you've watched lolita read lolita watched talk to her and you're like you watched long island lolita with drew barrymore listen to the jamie lobster's podcast about lolita i want uh, slightly, but I want to stay in this realm. But a lighter fare. Head over to while you were sleeping, which is also <laughs> a coma oh. romance in such a different a way. A comance, a comance, if you will. Uh, there are so few comances, and uh, Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman at some of their best performances. Yeah. Wait, who's is it? Peter Gallagher in the coma. I think it's Gallagher. Is it Sandy Cohen? It's in Sandy the... Cohen as wow. a coma, and uh, Sandy Bull falls for Bill Pullman instead. And. Uh, if I remember correctly, Sandy Cohen wakes up and everybody is like, hey, your girlfriend is now in love with your brother. And he's like, what? <laughs> I just woke up from a coma. Why did I shit myself? Is this a moonstruck? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sir. It's movie. a raise in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to awards. Ryan, most shocking moment. Most shocking moment, I have to say, is a man going and then diving straight into a vagina. Ryan. Ryan. I thought I, at this point in the movie, knew everything it was going to give, but that is my most shocking moment, too. I did not expect the cartoonish weirdness of then. Greg, what's yours? For me, it's not when he dives into the vagina, because as soon as you see 
the big vagina. You're like, that guy's well, going to go in it. <laughs> But the thing I didn't expect was he's like running across her shoulder, running across her boob. And you're like, this is so gross. I don't want to be watching this. And then it cuts to this like 15 foot tall, big rubber vagina. And I just, I didn't expect that. And the pubic hair. Based on the look of the vagina, did you guys expect it to cut to Mark Summers host a double dare? Dude, <laughs> like, yes. And the kids run. My note here says, on first seeing the double dare vagina. Like, I expected there to be a big orange flag in there, and some kid was going to have to root around in there until he found it. If there the, was a Playboy double dare after dark, this would be part of it. At the point when he dives right. into it, like, I'm already yeah. so blown away just by looking at that. It's literal. It's so rare your jaw is on the floor. <laughs> just like... And I got to say, though, and I don't think that this was a Motivore's point, if I'm in that situation, I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. Well... If you wake up, if you wake the woman up and you get concerned. Oh, no, no. I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretending yeah. that she's awake. Yeah. yeah. She was not. Though. Well, also, isn't that what Benino is doing, Ryan, pretending that she's yeah, awake? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which brings me to, Greg, to you, Benino as Benini. Uh, okay. So. And what, is that, what does that mean, Ryan? Because you've said both their names in tandem and you were so lucky I didn't decide to give Greg a point every time you called him. I am sorry. but I Yeah, did, you really messed yourself up there, too. I did read that Pedro Almodovar's best friend is Roberto Benini, and this character is based on him and named after him. Damn. Roberto Benini. Uh, well, do you we guys know, remember that guy? Yeah, the Roberto Italian. Benini. From 1997. Life was, is beautiful. Uh-huh. Made I'm a running Pinocchio. out of English. I want to make love to he all of you. He made a here. Pinocchio. Yeah. yeah uh, ran across the chairs at the Oscar ceremony. Yes. I'm sorry that I couldn't say the guy's name right. But once I read that, I broke my brain. Yeah. Because, guys, you two are my best friends. Love you both. If I wrote a movie like this, I'm not naming a character like Benino after I would, you two. I would then be like, what do you think I'm like? Like, <laughs> yeah, do dude, we need to have a talk? I have some questions do for you. I think I act normal and I really don't. Greg, so I, so guess, Bernard, Bernard. I guess I was going for like that, that clownish angle. And I was going to say when he runs to return her wallet. Mm. So he's got like he's been waiting for this opportunity. He's watching her in dance class. And then she comes out of dance class and she she goes into her purse and she accidentally drops her wallet. And so he's oh, like been waiting for an opening like this. And you're very interested as the viewer to see, like, how is he going to, like, open? You know, what's your, what's your first move, man? And he runs down, grabs her wallet, and then just walks next to her for a really kind long time. Kind of side-eyeing her? Yeah, oh, and it's so cartoonish and so clownish. And then he actually... And, and she's like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? She's yeah, she's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. Because her initial instincts about him are absolutely right. Uh, yeah. Right. You see in that scene several times where she's like, I shouldn't, like, I shouldn't let this guy just well, You go to me. a different apartment building. Yeah, dude. Every... Every one of her interactions is right. She's yeah. always like, fuck you. What's your deal? Get yeah, out of my face. For sure. But there is just something about the clownish way he like uh. marches next to her for a little bit. I was like, that's that's Benini, baby. <laughs> Ryan? Uh, my Benini is moment is... What's your Benino, baby? <laughs> uh, he, uh, so he makes an appointment at her apartment, mm-hmm. which is also her dad's doctor's office. Yes. And then gets out of the appointment with the psychiatrist. And then walks down the hall towards her bedroom where there's a whole thing of model airplanes and yeah. he runs into it and like catches two airplanes. <laughs> and I was like, it was borderline like, oh, kick off a shoot so you can catch a third airplane right. with like Charlie toad. Chaplin. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, I'm Charlie Chaplining this horrible thing I'm doing, right. which to me is Benini up and down. I dropped my, I dropped one of my AirPod Pros the other day and I don't know why, but suddenly I was Trying like, to kick catch it with my foot. <laughs> and I like hacky sacked it across Shot the room. Well, I punted this In your cat's face. The, gr- the Greg in my head puts his leg out in such a way where it rolls down the leg and then back up right in the right ear. Into your mouth. Basically, that's what happened. Cringiest moment, Ryan. Um, Look, this is a movie who, 
that's exploring cringe right. that wants yeah. you to be cringe. You start cringing in the beginning and you don't stop. So I have to put, uh, I have to pick the killing of the bull because yeah. that was totally uh, fine to do. When it had like six swords in it, the owner oh. of the bull said, "Oh, we were gonna kill this bull anyway, mm-hmm. so why don't you film it?" And then they shot that like, uh, oh wait, IRL, I, yeah. yeah, in oh real life, and they put that dart thing in it in like where it has the ribbons on it and like now you right. can go because yeah. that what does that piss the bull off yeah, more it angry and so and then like yeah we were just gonna slaughter it so film it and make uh. it look cool and that's i know how cringy this movie is but i do but desperately believe in el motivar so much that that pedro is fucked up this award is supposed to be for like it's basically accidental cringe mm. when a movie's trying to make you cringe that doesn't fucking count like what wasn't and i don't think we i i, I do think that like we've come uh, pretty far as far as like we shouldn't do that to animals yes. in the last 20 years. I mean, I didn't realize in 02 we still thought it was cool to exactly. do that to animals. This is my moment as well and this I, has really become a thing for me on this show. Like, your job is to make a movie and that means you take fictive elements yeah. and you weave them together to create an, an image of life. I'm getting really pissed off every time I find out. And you can just, you can see it now. Like, you get used to it when you start getting annoyed by it. But, like, don't honestly scare your crew. Don't honestly trick them. Don't spray them with something when they're not expecting it. Don't kill a fucking animal and torture it to death on film as a way of saying, look how, like, harsh we are as a culture. Can you believe that, like, this blood sport is something we do? Well, you just filmed it. Directors will scare their crew a lot. To scare their audience a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck but one that. time I think it's okay is Alien. Ridley Scott, the crew did See, not know the rubber alien was going to pop out of that guy. Here's why I think that's not okay. First of all, I don't think it's okay to scare people like that without, without their I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Second of all, you are trying to make that scare more real. What you're doing is you're making the rest of the movie more fake. Because you are showing us that when they act scared... You can tell the difference yeah. between when they act scared and when they're actually scared. And so I don't think it works. I think what you are trying to do is you are trying to use unreality to create a mirror of reality. And every time you have to bring in reality, like you have to drag that boat over the mountain. No, fuck you. Make a movie. You have yeah. to actually <laughs> shoot at your actors. No, fuck you. Make a movie. You have to actually kill a bull. No, you don't. And really make what, a movie. What you're doing is you are going from artiste to power junkie yeah you are just trying to show everyone that you can this is the amount of power i have i can scare you whenever i want i can make you do whatever i want and i just it's in a movie that is like really examining masculinity and cruelty culture and everything like that it is a masculinist move to actually kill that bull that is exactly what a a asshole male director thinks you have to do and i don't think that's what this guy is you didn't have to do that. And it doesn't matter if they were going to kill the bull because you tortured it to death. Yeah. Because, yeah, it was going to die in a humane way, allegedly, you know? Like. Yeah. All right. Pound for pound performance, Greg. The bull. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, you, you love to hate him. Uh, I would not want to see this guy ever, but uh, Benito actor Javier Camara, uh, from the first time you see him on film, you're like, hmm. Uh, there's something distasteful about this guy and that begins a journey where you constantly are saying to yourself no he's okay and then being like no he's really not okay and i think that he makes every turn of that to be able to walk that line he is not threatening we've talked a lot about what's traditional what's not traditional he's not threatening in the traditional sense of what that could mean he's not looming over somebody he's not using his physicality over people uh but even when people feel his danger 
they don't let themselves feel he's, his danger. He looks like a soft boy. So yeah. they're like, no, I'm not going to show he, weakness round. because of a soft boy. He's the roundest. For, considering he's not actually very heavy, he's, he's the face. roundest person in the world. <laughs> yeah. His face is a thumb. <laughs> Ryan, what's yours? Ryan. I thought this was so obvious. And then at the last second tonight, I went with Marco. I went with uh, Dario Granzanetti because I didn't. Re- I thought this was a two-hander, and it's not. It's a... One, it's it, like Marco was the main character, mm-hmm. and we watched him arc. We watched the Marco Arcos, and we uh, realized that, like, Benini, I'm so sorry, Benino, <laughs> Benino, you is, were warned. <laughs> Benino is, uh, in a lot of ways, a plot device for yeah. all of Marco's growing and figuring out what it is to be a man, and he changes his definition of a man constantly throughout the movie. Like, he is always redeveloping, even though. He is old. He has his own apartment. He has lost his hair. He is a fully grown adult. Ew. Like he is established. What a ha- man! There are some handsome bald men in this movie. This movie is like seriously a tribute to really good-looking bald men. <laughs> um, I yeah, I think it, I like it, the fact that he has to just go through everything that uh, Motivar asked him to, mm-hmm. as far as emotions go, and then never make me think like, oh, you're just doing that thing that Al Motivar asked you to do it. Uh, I think is amazing. Right. Yeah, I think they're they're both killer, and it would not work with them. But I do think Benino has the the even though he plays it mellow, he has the flashier role that like draws. Yeah. The eye. And Marco on the rewatches, you're like, oh shit, this guy is quietly acting his bald head off. Finally, director's signature moment, Ryan. I mean, I I think that it has to be based on his other movies, uh, you don't know shit about genders. And I'm going to make you rethink everything you know about genders. And the way that he creates the character of Lydia, and then on top of that creates the character of Marco and the very emotional Marco and the very um, uh, feminine. But you know, like um, the way that he talks and rubs uh, lotion on his hands while he's talking, you know, like, he wants his audience to think that he's gay o- right. only to like when the rape happens, it's also a surprise of, Oh, he's not gay. Uh-huh. You know, that all happens at the same time because there is no, with the exception of the late great El Nino, who I, mm. uh, you know, stole the masculinity from this movie. Everyone is capable of anything as right. far as gender norms go. That's El Motivar to me. Gregory. For me, it is, um, it's that interview because you are situated in such a you're like I'm in the real world now. You know, this is a realist movie and only like very realistic things are going to happen and he doesn't want you that comfortable. And that interview, I watched a video about like his embrace of camp and that interview I think is really that embrace of camp. Like yeah. the woman is made up in such weird makeup, she's acting so weird, she won't let her go. It feels like something out of a John Waters movie yeah. or yeah. something like that. And I just thought, man, that really helps me figure out the like temperature of this movie. That helps me figure out what's going on here. I'm going to give that to Greg because we like specific moments here. And yeah, it's crazy that you picked that Greg without ever seeing others movies because the the bright funny but dark like combo is I think El that Motivar. Lydia getting up being like I told you I wasn't going to talk about this yeah. and she already chast- chastised her don't say that I plan my interviews yeah. ahead of time <laughs> and then Lydia actually turning her head to leave and she's just like the way she grabs onto her arm it like gets dragged away partially we and maybe want more female female relationships in this movie yeah uh-huh. for a movie like about how men mistreat women 
it's weirdly male centered. Maybe that has to be for that reason, but we don't get a lot from right. The and la- I, I think that's his point. And also, it, for me, it's so in conversation with the rest of his filmography that it makes more sense. But out of context alone, that that feels like a hacky argument, right? To be like, well, you should see his other movies. Yeah, so really get what he's trying to do. But honestly, guys, you should see his other movies. So really get <laughs> uh, we're gonna take the quickest of breaks, and when we come back, we will announce who won and how we think. While you were, nope, talk to her, does. Greg, this is so you. This, this, this is a fun. I thought this was thing. you. I thought this was a you in. Oh, Which. fun for you guys just to start talking before I even get to introduce what's happening right now. Oh, but the show hasn't started yet. Nobody's been like, this is just fellas being fellas. Producer mm. Dave, have we started? Yes, Narf. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut <laughs> for the real ones. <laughs> If I could revoke points right now, I would. Uh-huh. Uh, they say, gentlemen, that a host's first real show of the season sets the reputation. They say... <laughs> they say that. You okay? No, yeah. On I the mean streets of podcasting. I feel like we're about to get married by somebody who <laughs> just got their credentials in marrying people. And it is my greatest uh, detriment. Uh, I beg your forgiveness to let you know that, Ryan, you got 38 points. Wow, Greg, you got 38 points. I don't know what to do here, and I'm sorry. You're both my best friend for the next week, and I swear to you, this will not happen again. That's how you're going to leave it? (laughs) I don't know what to do right now. I guess you talked first so I could remove one of your points. Greg wins. I did it. I did it. Are are you happy now? Once again, sitting quietly and just smiling (laughs) has been to my benefit. Is that the fucking Greg Highline story? (laughs) That's how you've gone through your plays in life. Just keep your mouth shut. Let a pop-off pop-off. That has been talk to her. How do we feel this is going to do against 16 movies? I think it's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I think this is the, I think this is the movie of the year. And like, I think that we should keep in mind that it did so well, like that it was part of the zeitgeist of 2002, right. because sometimes what we're trying to do with these art movies is we're trying to like hammer them into also being popular movies in some it's way, both. but this is 2002. This is timeless. Like, uh, I think it has everything we need. There's no way we're going to spend as much time thinking about any movie from this season as we do this one. Uh, I mean, one of the movies that we're watching stars Spider-Man. So let's remember that. Yeah, we do have Spider-Man. We do have Minority Report. That's true. But in the uh, intro episodes. Movies that make us feel good. I only declared two winners, Uh which is pretty good for me. Normally every movie. One winner is each of our listeners. Sure. Uh, But it was this one and one more. That we will talk about at some other point. It's directed by Spike. It's 25th Hour. That, oh, those are the correct. two that Thank I was you. really nervous about all other movies contending against. And I am really stoked that we didn't go full letterboxer. I'm 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 really stoked that the three yeah. of us like were like this was roof stoof. Oh but yeah. we have to talk it up. And th- this is our ROM. This is our come and see. This is this is the foreign arty movie that fucks with our minds the rest of the season uh and it was populist at the same time uh, going back to Mulholland Drive I do think that this is peak I think that we are Mm -hmm. Mulholland Drive won its year yeah and I think we're watching a director at their peak I think everything that we saw before this movie was building up to this Mm -hmm. from this director and then everything was chasing sort of and then like he's made so many great movies but I do kind of feel that man bold words I hate when you end up seeing the like there's someone's best, best yeah. shit. Like reading yeah. Watchmen is your first comment. Yeah, exactly. 
well, what's the point of the rest of this shit? Yeah, now? like, oh, I guess I'll go watch one of his lesser films. Well, that is, uh, I think, a great start to what will yes. surely be a great season. We've already said some movies that are coming up. Look out for, I don't know, Unfaithful, Battle Royale, all the tweeners that we Holy have. Holy shit, with. what a season. It is a shock full season. It's I cannot bangers. wait to keep hosting. It is my pleasure. It is my honor. Until then, keep watching those movies. Should I record that? Scrappy through. I would never say that. Did not like your Al Bundy tweet today, by the way. I know. Sorry about that. I did. <laughs> I, I physically liked it. <laughs> <laughs> press a button. You press fucking button. Twitter fucks with me because there's times where I like somebody's thing, and a, the number will be like 13 likes, and then I like it, and it goes 12 likes. I'm yeah. Like, did I take someone with this other go away? Did, I'm constantly like, did Ryan already like this via pop filter? <laughs> and I moved it? I don't do that. I retweet. I never like interesting yeah and i like that and i retweet that because anytime people do a poll and they're like like this for this retweet for this comment for this i'm like well whatever's liking is gonna win because that's the easiest Easy, thing yeah. to do <laughs> don't <laughs> want to delete all that <laughs> no keep it go no, that's the post credit <laughs> shit so i can just start yep <clears throat> you can clap for us if that makes you feel better <laughs> you turkey <laughs>